a new day begins in the dark. Easter Sunday is no different. Our story begins where Good Friday ended. And Mary awakens this morning and finds the strength somehow to move, to get up, to go back to this tomb where only days ago she saw Joseph of Arimathea place the body of her rabbi. I can't imagine what she must be feeling. But as she arrives in the dark, something is not right. The stone has been moved. And I'm sure she questioned whether or not she's at the right tomb, and yet she has never been more certain of anything. All of that's about to change. She runs. She runs to Simon Peter and the other disciples. And she says they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. And they told all these things to the eleven disciples and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But the apostles didn't believe the women, because their words seemed like utter nonsense. This was all so unsettling. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked inside at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. And then Simon Peter came along behind, went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. And Peter went away, wondering to himself, what had happened? And finally, the other disciple, who had arrived at the tomb first, he went inside, and he saw and believed. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. And now Mary stood alone outside the tomb, crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but he, she didn't realize it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. Resurrection always begins in the dark. And Easter is slowly revealed as the sun rises. Last year, I realized we have a word for that, dawn. The noun literally is about the physical rising of the sun, but the verb can be about the realization of something now perceived. It fits. The circumstances being experienced will soon dawn on those who know where to look but don't understand what they're seeing. So much has happened since Friday. 
They thought they, everything they knew was turned upside down then. Wait till the women tell the men what they currently know is not complete. And if I ended here, I think we've summed up the Easter message. What we all currently know is not complete. Jesus isn't where we left him. There's not really anything unusual in that statement. Jesus wasn't where others ever thought he should have been. But when the sisters run to tell the brothers, they sound ridiculous. Luke recalls being told that they sounded ridiculous. Plus, in this culture, a woman's word is worthless. In court, in society, even religiously, and Easter demands that that already change. John, in his telling, implies that he gets to the tomb first. But it doesn't matter who made it there first, because they both saw the same thing. Or should I say, didn't see anything. But they both interpret nothing differently. But something interesting happens in John's account of these events. It says that as he stood in the empty tomb, he had faith. He had faith. He had faith that something was happening, that there was more going on here than what he could understand or comprehend John believed that Jesus was not where he was supposed to be, and he was suspicious that that was something good, inexplicable. Something was happening. And you know, they've probably played out this script in their minds of what the next few days was going to be like. This is what anxiety does, right? Anxiety is the fruit of fear. This group of followers had been in shock for over two days Everything they'd given their lives for came to a screeching halt. The movement must have felt like an absolute failure. Their rabbi, dead. But in this moment, John believed. The question I have when I sit in this empty tomb looking at him, when I sit, when I sit in this empty tomb looking at him is, he believed in what? I really want to know. Yet, I do. And so do you. We know that feeling when you're facing what you believe to be something so terrible and suddenly hope begins to manifest, begins to bubble up somewhere. You don't know everything. And what you currently know isn't the whole story. It's not that it's inaccurate. It's just incomplete. Anything can happen. John believed in something. In enough of something. Without all the details, he believed the room was empty. And that alone must mean something. John's minimal belief we call faith. And that here is now a mystery to what he once thought was fact. John's flirting with optimism is the beginning of what resurrection is all about. Resurrection is hope where it shouldn't exist. Life where it shouldn't be. The idea that what I currently know is incomplete, a glimmer of dawn after a long, dark night. Unfortunately, we're introduced to the story having already heard the spoilers, right? We we begin the Gospels reading knowing how they end. And unfortunately, that robs us in so many ways. We forget that resurrection lies on the other side of death. Resurrection is the discovery of meaning in something so meaningless. And it is discovered when faith becomes a choice. And we trust. And sometimes, like in this story, we trust in seeing nothing. Bono has it right when he sings that some things have to be believed to be seen. 
I often wondered if these women didn't go on this early morning. What would have happened? How long would it have taken to find out that the tomb had become a womb? That what was buried was actually planted? Imagine Jesus having to go find them. Boy, that would have changed the story, wouldn't it? What we observe here is a clue to something that actually has saved me many times in the past couple of years. Through my wife's paraplegia, through my own cancer treatment, through heartbreak and disappointment, through all my Good Fridays and the death of hope at times. We see the women go back to busy themselves in the small details of preparing a body for burial. They were in shock for sure, most likely a bit of denial, some anger perhaps, definitely some bargaining. What if, what if they're experiencing all the stages of grief? And we can relate, can't we? We've all been there paralyzed by circumstance when we can find ourselves in one of several camps. And in those times, we are shocked by our news, by our biopsies, by our phone messages, by our texts, our emails, our debts, and we hide. We just don't know what to do. We are completely overwhelmed. I've been there many, many times. But Mary models something for us here so beautiful. She's just as scared as the men. She's just as hopeless as the men. But she goes to do the next right thing. The only thing that she knows. In fact, it needs to be done. She gathers spices to anoint the body of her rabbi and in her despair, set out to defy the paralysis of fear. She models something for all of us, I think, to do something so pure and so simple. Participation is an act of faith. Sometimes just waking up and getting out of bed is an act of faith. Getting dressed can be an act of faith. But make no mistake, It's in that act of faith, that small act, that she is the one who sees the divine first. Blessed are those whose hearts are pure, for it is God they will see, Jesus taught on the side of that mountain. My point is resurrection happens all around us, but some see it sooner than others, and not because they're looking for it, but because they're present for it. I have found often that in the presence of the most simplest things, when I feel hopeless and lost, that life can surprise me. And Mary reminds me to be present at every stoplight, not because there's something amazing at every corner, but if there is some beautiful beauty to be found, I'm not going to miss it. If you think about it, John, Peter, and Mary all looked into the same dark tomb, and they all saw different things. Peter enters the tomb first, saw the linen that was supposed to contain his beloved rabbi, and walked away wondering what happened. John enters the tomb second after Peter's gone, looks around, and trusts that not knowing everything in this moment is one of the greatest things ever. He leaves believing in nothing, but it's the biggest nothing he's ever believed in. And then Mary. Mary looks in when she's all alone. And for some reason, she lingers. And she sees two inside the tomb, one at each end, and turns around to see another, one she mistakes as the gardener. And she asks him if he's taken Jesus somewhere. And then this gardener speaks her name, Mary. 
And that's all it took. And that's all it takes. It seems the biggest miracle in this moment was that Mary stayed long enough that she lingered present in her own grief and pain to discover she wasn't alone. Whether it was intentional or unintentional, perhaps her sorrow is what kept her there. Maybe it was her despair that stopped her from leaving and ended up giving her the greatest gift. It was Jesus. She wanted to hold on to him, but this moment wasn't something to hold on to. It was something to transform her. Resurrection as an idea challenges us to be careful of quick conclusions with anything in this life. What happened two days ago in our lives can look entirely different after the sun has risen. So if you're searching your empty tombs for God, if you feel you've come up empty in a desperate, desperate search for anything familiar or safe, this day reminds us that joy and hope like Jesus don't stay where they're put. Turn your gaze from the darkness and listen. You may even hear your name. God has been mistaken for the gardener. I've mistaken God for a nurse, for a stranger, for one of you many times. Oh, and transformation happens in God's presence. But not when we find it and hold it. When we discover that it's been holding us.